0: It is good to be back. Even in spite of your teasing, it's good to be back. It was an amazing trip. Uh, come Tuesday, we're gonna talk a lot about it and share testimonies of people get, that got to experience it the first time. I will say this though. This trip was a landmark. From something, man, I can't remember how many years ago, maybe six years ago, or Bren would remember, but might have even been more than that. When I came back from a Nigerian trip uh, where, where I was decorated there, and what that means is they, they uh, put these wraps on you, put a hat on you, give you these spears that all have meaning. I came back, and that was when I spent time daily with Carson in the hospital when he was so close to death so many times. He was in the hospital for almost two months, and the Lord said to me to me to go and be there Monday through Friday, eight hours a day. And so after this trip, I, I brought these things back to him. And don't even ask me how in the world I was able to get him through security at the hospital. I mean, these big spears, about as long, about as tall as me, take through security. But I got him to his room and dressed him in it just like they had dressed me. And I told him that everybody there in Nigeria was praying for him. And that one day he'll be there. And this trip marked marked the conclusion of that prophecy, because he was there. Yeah. Not only was he there, but, like, he didn't hold anything back. He taught them disc golf. Okay. (laughs) He ate whatever he wanted. That was huge, right? Now, for those of you who don't know the history of what Carson went through, let me just tell you, that is a miracle, guys. That is a healing miracle. And just what he has done has been extraordinary. Don't ever think that something like that is out of your reach. Whether you're too young, too old to poor, to this, to that, doesn't matter. It is all about what God says and about your obedience. Because he'll, he'll, he'll do it. He'll do it. Carson is a blazing example of that. And what God can do, and, and I'll tell you what, God's winding up and he hasn't even pitched yet. He's just in the wind-up. But the pitch is coming. The release is coming. You know, I was asking the Lord what He would want for this morning. And He took me somewhere, and I'm going to take us there. And, you know, this was this morning when I was sitting with Him. And then during worship, I don't know if you changed it up or if this is just addition. I I don't know. But Alexis was speaking in the spirit. And she just leaned down to me and she said, I have to tell you what I saw. And she told me what she saw. And immediately the Lord told me He said to me, "My sword is drawn. My emotion isn't because of what that sword'll do." Thanks. This wasn't used, right? Thank you just want to make sure I'm not wiping snot on my eyes or anything like that. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> but it's not about what the sword'll do. That's not my emotion. My emotion is because we've been waiting so long for him to draw it. He gave me a vision. just at the end of the last song after Alex said what she said. And to be honest with you, what she said, I don't know what it means. She described fire producing a black smoke that was above me. But the vision that he gave me, I understood that. It was a vision of the Lord in front of Joshua, in front of Jericho, with a drawn sword, and He took me to Joshua, chapter one. I want should turn there. And let's. Before we go into that, let me pray, Father. We worship you. Lord, I give you my yes. Even anything that you have told me up to this point, you are welcome to derail at any moment. Because we're here to hear from you. Nobody else. Speak to us in a group. Speak to us individually. Speak to our hearts. However you want to do it, we're hungry for you to speak. Don't just give me vision. Give everyone here who is hungry vision. Help us to break down the compartmentalization of our minds so that you could flow freely. I give you my yes. I kneel before the Lord of hosts who has drawn his sword. And I kneel in awe of who you are. In awe of what you have given to your bride. In awe of your plan for your bride. In awe of your love. We trust you. Do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Joshua chapter 1. Or sorry, Joshua chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 13. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals. From your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. This encounter goes on to recognize what God was going to do in delivering Jericho into the hands of Israel and how. It was miraculous. We know that. We know the story. They were to all, and by the way, this was not a small group. There were probably upwards to a million. They say that there were a million that came out of Egypt, but then obviously there were those who died off because they would not enter the promised land the first time. So over 40 years they died off, but they had new kids. (laughs) So there were a lot of people. So so let's just say they kept the status quo, when in reality it's probably more than that. So if you can imagine a million people marching around Jericho every day for seven days. I saw Jericho from a distance. It's not big. I I, I would almost imagine the front became the rear. You know, almost like when they encircled it, you know, you know how you, you got a million people walking and, you know, it takes a while. Imagine what the people inside were thinking. I don't think Because I know there are some that, that said they were jesting, they were joking, they were thinking they were impenetrable because of their wall. I don't think so. We have some clues. Because when the spies went in and Rahab helped them, what did Rahab say? She said, we have heard of your God we saw him part the sea or we we heard of him part the sea we saw him part the jordan because that just happened they saw that you know what i think they were scared to death i think they were petrified have you ever been so scared you can't do anything you're literally frozen I think that's how Jericho was. And when the walls came down, all it did was complete their fear. I don't think it was much of a battle from that point. Although you have to realize that Israel still played a part. God knocked the walls down, but he did not kill the enemy. They had to do it. They went in, and they did it. But this was a solemn point when the Lord of hosts came to meet Joshua. This was the beginning. This was the beginning of a campaign. A campaign that would take back, or take, Really, for the first time, the Promised Land. The Manifested Yeshua. See, in old Hebrew understanding of the Word of God, they believed in two. effectively two gods if you will two yeshuas two not messiahs but i don't know why the the name is just escaping me right now but the manifested god and then god the father we call the manifested god who jesus because there came a time where he inserted himself into his creation, and manifested as a man. But that wasn't the first time he manifested. We see it all throughout the Old Testament. We see it right here, where he manifested before Joshua. Joshua didn't think he was an angel. I mean, if he thought he was an angel, I don't think he would have challenged him like he did. Are you for us or against us? I could just picture Joshua. Are you for us or against us? You know, then the Lord says who he is and he just drops down. See, this was a solemn moment. This was a moment where Jesus, who he would be known as later, but the manifested Yahweh came and said, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm leading you. I am with you. And you see, my sword is drawn. You see, I will be with you in the battle. You see, I will be with you because this land is yours. What I intended for creation is yours, even though it had been stolen. Telling you he is doing that again. But it's not just the promised land. It is full circle to come back to finish what Adam started, to complete what he was commanded to do and failed. It is about subduing God's creation, managing it, stewarding it. That failure was paid for 2,000 years ago on the cross. God's intent was never to come and do it himself. Never. Because that was not the original plan. The original plan was always to be done through His creation, through His imagers. Those who were created in His image that would then step as He would step. To do what He would want them to do. That failed At the beginning with Adam. And it required a sacrifice that would pay for everything. You know that. He paid that price 2,000 years ago on the cross. But yet the partnership had not been bonded. His bride was not ready. In fact, his bride became so fragmented which is how we see her today. His bride is fragmented because the enemy. Because of deception. Because of power. Because of pride. Because of wanting something outside of God's will. Whatever reason you want to put on it, And you can argue the reasons. What you can't argue is the fact that the bride is fragmented. So just as God did with Israel, he started with a little remnant. He started with a little portion. And he purified that portion. And he took them to a place of conquering. He is doing that now. We've spoken about this for a long time. The difference is, and where that emotion came from, is that it is time. It's no more about learning about it because the sword is drawn. Now it is to fight. For those who cannot fight for themselves. Who don't even know how to. You know, it's easy. Man, I've been going back and forth with the Lord on this. It's easy to become myopic in warfare. It's easy to think black and white if you're looking at who follows him, who doesn't, right? Seems pretty black and white. Although you noticed in Jericho, there was one Rahab who was different. See, we fight for those who don't even know how to fight for themselves. They still have choice. It still comes down to their choice. So what do we fight for? Do we Do we fight for them to choose the right way? No. We can't affect their choice. We fight what comes against them. We fight the spirits that come against them. The deception that comes against them. We fight that. Why? Because it's a real fight. It's not just about... When God decides to do this, he'll just do it. See, that goes against the very thing that he said in giving us each free will and free choice. He will never impede that. So part of our responsibility in this war is to fight the things that come against that. He said in Ephesians 6, Our weapons are not of this world. They're not carnal. Right there, he described the war. It doesn't mean that there would not be physical aspects to that war. Please don't make it a this or a that. Because just like Joshua was standing before the Lord of hosts with drawn sword, in the spirit, That war was over. In the spirit, it became crushed as they walked in obedience seven times in seven days and then seven times on the last day in silence and then shouted. In that faith of walking in something that doesn't make sense. You know, Think about it. If if you're an army commander and you're saying, okay, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to walk around in silence. We're going to walk around this city one time a day for seven days. That must have been a long day when they did it seven times. Think about that, a million people walking around the city seven times. But as a commander, would you actually plan that? No. No. If you're a commander thinking in the physical, what are you thinking of? Okay, that's a high wall. On that wall, they have people with bows and arrows, right? They have people that can rain down something upon your people. And by the way, it's not just people that were warriors. It's all the people. So as a real commander thinking in the physical army aspect of it, that's probably the last thing you would do. But yet that's what Jesus said to do. Why? What was happening in those seven days? (laughs) It was a war in the spirit. If, If God would have opened everyone's eyes to what was happening in the spirit realm... I think they would have understood and they would have been excited. But he didn't. Maybe he did to some. I I don't know. But the truth is, he needed their faith, wanted their obedience. And there was a war waging in the spirit. what happens in the spirit realm does manifest here in our realm. You saw that on the seventh day. Because on the seventh day, the results of that spiritual war came to a conclusion. And the walls came down. I would love to sit with a scientist to try and explain to me how in the world that happened. Well, you know, the, the sound vibrations of this and that and the earth and blah, 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 blah. Maybe, I guess, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's certainly stock in sound vibrations and, and, you know, all of this, but it just makes more sense to me that it's a bunch of angels ripping the wall down. I mean, isn't it to you? You know, I, I, I picture Michael at the front gate just, you know, just ripping this thing open. Just taking down the stones. And imagine the people inside. I mean, if they were afraid before, imagine now. Ones who used fear to control. Recognize who these people were. Seven times when the Lord. Said to take the promised lad seven times, seven specific nations. He said, kill every man, woman, and child. In Jericho, he even said, kill all the animals. Take nothing. Now I don't I don't know if the animal part of it was symbolic or I, I have no idea. Or if it was a test, because they were allowed to keep spoil, you know, in the next one in AI, once they got it right. So I I don't know what it was, but I do know that what this nation consisted of was Satan's seed. Were they all his seed? Clearly not. Clearly Rahab wasn't. She was in the city, but her and her whole family were, were saved. In fact, she becomes in the line of Jesus Christ himself. So there was collateral damage. Was she the only one in there? I don't know. I would tend to probably think not. Was there collateral damage in what God called to happen there in Jericho? I believe so. But did those people have a choice? Yes. Because, see, we're all born with a choice. Not the ones that were Of Satan's seed. See, this is where it messes with your mind a little bit. Because they don't have choice. They might have choice in what they do in their life, but they don't have choice. It's what what the Bible talks about in 1 John 4. Any of the enemy's spirit will not admit to nor say that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Why? Because they can't. Because they can't. By admitting that, they admit everything that they believe is wrong. Even in their spirit, what they don't know that they believe. We find ourselves in that place even today. And we've talked about this. This is important stuff to get into your mind Because we're at our Jericho. Sword is drawn. And Jesus, our Messiah, our Lord of hosts, Lord of Heaven's armies, what do you think he's there for? If he's the leader of an army, do you not think that he's going to lead an army? I can tell you, we've been going around Jericho. The battle in the Spirit has been going on. Victories have been cataloged ever since September of 2019 in heaven. Incredible victories. Victories that have not been seen since Adam. Since his fall. So if the Lord. Leads an army. Do you not think he's going to engage that army? Yeah. Do you not think that that will then become manifest? Of course it will. The Lord has been preparing us for a long time. Things are going to get tough. They're going to get real tough. What does that mean? Wait a second, Lord. You know? If if we're your chosen people, why does it have to be tough? Like, like if you're gonna fight all this and you're gonna do all this, why why does it have to be tough for us? Because he's looking for agreement in the earth. He's looking for his bride to be ready. He's looking for your yes. Which is optional to you. (laughs) He's not going to force it. Your yes is optional to you. But those yeses come in a scale. And it usually depends on how compartmentalized our lives are. What he wants is a blanket yes. Without compartmentalization. Well, I give my yes when I come Sunday morning. I I might even come Tuesday and I'll give my yes then too. I I give my yes in these categories. I give my yes in things that I know you've already shown me, so I, I give you my yes. Do you give him your yes in the things that you cannot see? Do you give him your yes in the things that you think are your right to control? Okay, that's the tougher part. Now all of a sudden he's telling me to walk around Jericho and be silent and not do anything. When we're here to conquer this city. Makes no sense. What does make sense is, you know, I I need to do what I know to do to prepare for what he has said is coming. It's not what he told you to do. He said, give him your yes. Period. He'll show you what that means, but not until you have given your yes. Not at all. If you're waiting for him to show you some contract as to what that yes means, good luck. He's not going to do that because it will not cost you faith. And faith is the very fuel he uses to change your life. Faith is the very fuel he uses to unify his bride and change the course of this world. Imagine how Joshua felt. Imagine how the warriors at Jericho felt. You're on my land. You have defamed God. You are His enemy. You hate Him because you serve others. As His enemy, you are now my enemy. That's how He looked at it. That's how we're to look at it. That's tough because of those compartments that we have in our lives. Well, I'll I'll look at it that way, except for my family, you know, because God gives you a family and you're kind of family because, you know, you're born into family and, you know, family blood is thicker than water and all this crap. Guess what? His blood's thicker than your blood. Not about that. It's about him and about you and not about anything else. It's about standing up for what's right when it's hard to stand up for what's right. We're, we're not just waiting for those times to come. We're in those times, guys. But don't be fooled as to who's in charge. Joe Biden is not in charge. I'm pretty sure Joe Biden doesn't even know what he's in charge of in his own walk, his own daily life. Our government is not in charge. Klaus Schwab is not in charge. Barbara Streisand is not in charge. None of those Hollywood elites are in charge. I'm telling you what: They're starting to see the body of Christ circle around the city. And if you think they're not afraid, then you don't know them. Because those who know what they're doing, they're starting to see everything go wrong. They're starting to see their plans go up in smoke. In reality, it's because of them that the bride will wake up. Think about that. Are we supposed to say thank you? (laughs) No, I hope not. (laughs) And the bride is going to wake. It may be with a remnant right now. But that fire that Alexis talked about, and and maybe when she comes up she could share more of what it was, but that produced this black smoke, that's the war. That's the victory. You know, when I think of those the enemy that has put such a deception on my created brothers and sisters there's something inside me that boils really does I can imagine how Joshua felt walking around that city knowing good and well that there comes a time where that vengeance is taken and it came when those walls came down. The Lord said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But it's not about us sitting off the, on the side and just kind of watching it like some video game. He will repay through his hands and his feet. Why do you think we're supposed to be his hands and feet? It's because we're supposed to be part of it. We're supposed to be engaged in it. We're supposed to give faith throughout it. So when I was sitting with the Lord this morning, and if you recall, two weeks ago, I gave, uh, the message was about a change in format here at Ignition that's coming, that the Lord said. And that's supposed to happen in August because the Lord said, I want my people's hearts to be ready. So I was sitting with him this morning because I was thinking, okay, wait a second, you know. Why, why isn't it happening this week? Why haven't we started already? You know, going back to what he said, he said, because I want their hearts to be ready. He said, some are ready for this, but some are not. I don't know what that means, except I could tell you what I think it means. It's not a physical thing. You know, are are some of you not ready to sit here for hours? Well, maybe. You know, if I looked at it that way, I'm not sure I'd be ready for that. I think it boils down to love. Do you want Him? I think that's what makes us ready. Physically, in the moment, we can only be ready because the Spirit does it in us. You know, this last trip was, every trip's hard on my sleep. This last trip was insane. You know, because of things de- we were dealing with, being up, I, I think in a 72-hour 72 per- 72 period, I had six hours of sleep. And then, at the tag end of all that, there was a situation where I had to pour into some people. And (laughs) Lex kind of commented because, you know, I'm sitting on the couch about half dead. And then when we started talking, I just came alive and just poured it out, was so excited and poured it out. Who do you think that was? That wasn't me. I was sleeping. (laughs) I say, Lord, you take this. I'm going to nap right here in the back of the mind a little bit. No, it was the Lord. It was the Lord who gives us strength. With all these things coming that are coming at us that are literally upon our doorstep, the Lord will give us strength. He'll give us encouragement of how to deal with that. Because we're not just supposed to endure, guys. We've been enduring. Now the sword's drawn. Now we fight. Now we start to walk. And fight in the Spirit. The very things that come against Even Christians' minds, let alone the world. Deception being a primary target in my mind. I can't wait until all the spirits of deception are gone. In the abyss. Yes, and it it is coming. If you don't believe that can happen, man, just go wait at the river. Don't walk around the city. Don't join, just wait till it's done and then you can see. Because if you're going to choose to walk around the city in faith, do just that. Walk in faith. Knowing that your faith is waging war in the spirit, whether you see it or not. And that spirit of deception is going to be broken its back will be shattered. And those who have been under that deception, even family members, they're going to see truth. Boy, deception is effective. There, there was a friend of mine from years ago And I know I've told a story about my family. This wasn't my family. But somebody who I really respected, who knows the Word of God, and who has been a teacher for probably 30 years of the Word of God, and believes in this flat earth thing. And I'm like, Lord. First of all, I was curious. How in the world? Like, Okay, tell me biblically where you get some of this. And every single thing that was laid out was like, how, how did you come to lose what you knew in the Word of God? I, I don't, I don't understand. It doesn't doesn't make sense until you understand the spirit of deception. See, the spirit of deception comes in and just starts to rake away at a foundation. Not noticeable. I'm just cleaning it up till it starts cutting in to the stone and to the concrete, to the rock. Starts breaking it away. And then all of a sudden, deception, through that deception, other things are introduced to where things become questioned. And see, you could look at that even in our own walk. Well, you know, you used to not believe in the gifts. And, and then, you know, you had this enlightening and became, you know, understanding of the gifts. And now, now, you know, God speaks to you and all this stuff. So, so you know, isn't that how it happened with you? Yeah, there's a difference. I have to believe that that difference is intellectual as best as I can understand If you're trying to understand the Word of God intellectually, that is where deception is very, very good at twisting. Very good at twisting. There is only one truth. Right? We may have shades of what we believe, but when we stand before the Lord, like like there is only going to be one truth. And the only way to find that truth on this side of heaven is relationship with the one who is on that side of heaven. (laughs) That's the only way. But when you do that, when you say yes, and, and you build that relationship with him, he starts to reveal things to you in how to fight. How to fight the very deception that has pulled away people that you love. That has pulled away a world that would just believe in that deception. When I was talking to the Lord this morning, he said, I I said to him, So so if, if we're not ready, or some of us are not ready, what do you want me to say to him? And immediately he said, I want you to go to Luke chapter 14. And so go there. He took me to verse 25. Luke chapter 14, verse 25. This was not something I was studying during the week. This was something he took me to in the moment. Verse 25 says this, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me, and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. Yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Okay. I know it's in the Word of God, so we just accept those things in the Word of God, but think about him actually saying that. Think about that. If you don't think Jesus was offensive... You don't know Jesus. He was offensive, certainly offensive to Pharisees. I kind of felt bad for the Pharisees. Like, you know, he makes them look stupid. But he also defined who they were. He said, you were of your father, the devil. That didn't used to mean anything to me, but it sure means something to me now. Right? Right? In this case, he's talking to the people that are following him. In fact, all of what goes on here leads up to one of my most favorite chapters in the Word of God where it reveals this idea of relationship. You're no longer my servant. If you're obedient, you become my friend. That's what it says in chapter 15. This is leading up to that. So Jesus is talking to those people who would follow him. Imagine of the thousands of people that would come to hear him speak. Thousands of people that say that they believe him. Who did it end up being? 120 people. That's it. Everybody else left. Nobody else stuck around in faith. Did it mean that they didn't believe no. It means that they were either in fear because prosecution or persecution set out so heavily when Jesus was put on the cross. Or maybe they were deceived thinking, well, okay, maybe maybe he really maybe he really isn't the Messiah, maybe maybe there's another coming and he was just like really close. Only 120 remained. So Jesus is saying here, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, was he telling you you're supposed to hate people? No. That wasn't the point. The point he was making is that it will cost you everything. And he said, count the cost. Recognize ahead of time as you're coming into this time that has been prophesied what is coming. And and equate that with right now, guys. Count the cost in your own mind of what is coming and what is going to be asked of you by faith as well as manifested here in this realm. Recognize there's a cost to that. You cannot step onto the battlefield worrying about anything else, let alone your own life. If you do, you will not be effective. That's the first thing they try to ingrain when they do SEAL training. You're there for something bigger than yourselves. You give your life for a cause. Man, how in the world is that so ingrained and so effective for those who do not know the Lord? If I didn't know the Lord, why in the world would I give my life for something else that didn't affect me because I'm dead? Oh, what faith some of these people have. And it's just not directed in the right direction yet. But count the cost. Because for some of you, it may cost you your family. For some of you, it may cost your very life. For some of you, it may cost what you grew up knowing. The paradigms that you've had your whole life. He said, so count the cost because when you step into this, he says, to be my disciple, when you step into that role, you better be aware of the cost. Because if you're aware with, if you're aware of it, you could step into it and it will not affect you. Why? Because you've already dealt with it in your mind. You already knew that no matter what the cost is, I will move forward and do what the lord told me to do. Now this it's interesting what he says here. He says if you do not if you put any of these things ahead of me you cannot be my disciple. So I want to look up that word. Disciple in the Greek is mathētēs But this is the definition of it. He had me look this up earlier this morning. It literally means to learn from the root math, indicating thought accompanied by endeavor, in contrast to Diascalos, a teacher. So you have a teacher and a learner. It means to learn from a teacher. It denotes one who follows one's teachings as the disciples did. An example of that were the disciples of John. But then, this is what I love. A disciple was not only a pupil, was not only a learner, but an adherent. Do you know what that means? What is an adherent? It's something that sticks to something else, that molds into the shape of what that original thing is. Right? When you paint, when you paint a wall, that paint becomes an adherent to the wall. You don't lose the shape of the wall. It adheres to that. That adhering is what a disciple, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are adhering to Him. You are fulfilling the very thing that He said you were created for, and that is being His imager. It's not supposed to be us through ourselves. It's supposed to be Him through us. Right? If we are His image bearers, we are to bear his image. Pretty simple. So if you want to be his disciple, if, if he is everything you want, and, and this is really where it lies, because we could say we want it, but saying and doing are two different things. If we say we want it, then nothing gets in the way. Because we've already counted that cost. I already know. When, when I went into this, I knew there was a distinct possibility, probability that I would lose family, possibility that I would lose my precious family, my wife. I had to count that cost before I did it. Because if it ever came to that point and the enemy exploited it, I couldn't shy back. Because it wasn't about victory in that battle for me. The prize has never been the victory in my life. The prize has never been what he's doing here, what he's doing in Nigeria, what he will do with us all over the world. That's not the prize, never has been. I think it's awesome that he's doing that. But it's never been the prize for me. You know what the prize for me is? Talking to him, hearing his voice, sitting with him as Moses did in the tent of meeting, and just talking. Because you know what? There comes a time when the wars will cease. <laughs> There comes a time where the enemy will be bound and will be cast. Can't wait for Revelation 21. (laughs) But no matter what, the thing that will never change is me and him. In your life, you and him. So you have to count the cost. When we start doing what we're going to do here on Sunday mornings, you have to count the cost. See, because God may want to use you. Well, wait a second. That's not how it works. We all come Sunday morning and we worship together and that is our focalized union and, and then we get to sit and listen to a message. And learn, learn from God. God then speaks to us. Yeah, well, that's what he said is changing. What if what he wants to say is to come from you? Is it to come from five of you, ten of you? He's building an army, not an army of one. I remember asking him at the very beginning of this when I was really at a down point thinking, this is going to be really hard. Because I, See, I started to really feel the heart of God because I understood what it was that I had no control over other people's choice. Lord, this is going to be really hard. But see, if if you do this thing and they see it, they'll believe. So Lord, can you can you just do this with me as you did Moses? As you did others. He said, No. He said, This takes more than what would be required of one person. He doesn't need a lot of people. But if you're called, he needs you. So understand the cost of what you're stepping into, but realize the joy of that cost. You know, I remember when I played football, hated preseason, hated it. I mean... You sit there and for 45 minutes do this thing called a splatter drill. Anybody know what a splatter drill is here? I'm pretty sure it was thought up by Satan himself. Okay, and this, and this, this is in college. You know, so I, I was a tight end, which they kind of practice with the linemen. So I was 225 pounds as a, as a tight end going up against guys that were 320 pounds. And here's the splatter drill. The receiving person of the splatter drill just just gets in a stance, puts their hands up like this, and just waits. And then the other guy gets to be about 15 yards away. They come out of a three-point stance. They're supposed to stay as low as possible. That's the whole key. And they're supposed to drive into this person, me, Lift us up, put us on our back, and drive them into the ground. (laughs) Hello. Wait a second. Did I sign up for this? That makes no sense. Makes no sense. I remember. I'm a freshman. And our senior, he, he was probably 265. He was a senior tight end. Really awesome, and I just remember thinking this is gonna hurt. And he hit me, but I leaned into it because, like, right before he got there, I thought, "No, I gotta fight," and I lean into it, and he didn't put me on my back. Yeah, yeah, you clap now. <laughs> that made Coach mad. He 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 kind of bumps me as he's because Coach said, "Do it again." And see, what would happen is when you when you were the splatterer, then you become the splattere, and you just keep going in this circle for 45 minutes. So he said, do it again. And he kind of bumps me on his way back, and he goes, fall down, stupid. I'm thinking, crap, okay. Uh, yeah, there's something inside of me that is not going to let me do that. So he came at me again, and I leaned into it, and he didn't get me on my back. Coach said, do it again. Now he's getting mad, this guy. You know, because a lot of times, at least I noticed in college, a lot of times they're not trying to prove anything. Most of the guys there are scholarship. They're not trying to prove anything. They're just trying to survive. And then they'll prove it when they get to the games. Me, I'm just trying to survive. And to me, survival is not going on my back. Third time. Now I thought, okay, now he's mad. So now i got to lean into it. And it just was like two rams, two rams. Until the last time, I didn't just stand there. I started going at him. Coach finally said, all right, just, just go get a drink of water. I remember the cost. That taught me a lesson. It taught me a lesson of what the cost was to be able to take the hits on the field. Because when I got on the field, I thought, you know what? There's nobody that's going to hit me like that when I was defenseless. Nobody. Because now I I get to hit back. But I counted the cost. I know that was kind of a long story, but the, the fact remains what we're going into Recognize the cost. But recognize the victory. The cost of fighting deception pales in comparison of that deception being defeated. Because there will come a time when deception is defeated and people's eyes will be opened. They will see. They will believe. People that might surprise you If you want to be his disciple, you have to understand the cost. You have to understand that when we start this thing in August, whenever it is in August that we do it, you might be coming here not just to receive. You might be coming here to be used, for him to speak through you. That's how he raises up warriors. Not just for you to receive it, From me or Alexis or Brynn or Wendy or anybody else. But for you to give it. Alexis, come on up.
1: I just want to mention something on my heart before we close today in prayer. Um, I know we hear so often this giving God our yes. Over and over again we hear and it's true. It's true. It is what we need to do. And um, I was just thinking that we've heard it so much, and we believe that we know that we know. And the Lord was showing me, you know, there's this, there's this something in our, in our psyche and in our world, in our existence, in living in this realm that's called realities. And it's interesting um, the amplified version of what Greg just read in um, Luke 13 or excuse me in Luke 1426 it says something a little bit more expounded and it says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, that is in the sense of indifference or relative disregard for them in comparison with his attitude toward God and he was showing me that yes, giving God our yes, to a group certainly like like the ones I'm seeing here and and some many online as well, and certainly our group in Nigeria who' sold out and is in Nigeria, we think, well yeah, yeah, I'm giving God our yes, but the yes that right now God is building in us is the yes that has a relative disregard for anything in comparison. To our attitude toward God. It's, it's taking this thing that we know in our existence since our birth, there are certain realities, okay? It is a reality that, you know, I have this issue or this issue. And the yes to God, and I know I'm, I'm in process with this, but it has grown and grown and grown. And every trip that I take challenges it because... Um, some people are adventurous and are, you know, people that jump off cliffs and all this. God will always use something that is your, um, your tendency of either weakness or where you would hold back. Um, and I'm not been one that ever desired to travel. I love to be home. I love, you know, to kind of just stay in one place I have a sense of myself. And obviously the Lord, in order to challenge my faith has had to take me out of that. So every trip he challenges me and It has come down to, are you going to, or the Lord is dealing with me, are you going to give me your yes and not consider that your body clock is off, that you got no sleep, that you started the trip off with stress, that you're having this ache or pain, that you're dealing with symptoms of this or that. Is that that considered a reality that is going to be considered higher than what I'm asking you to do right now? And time and time again, as I have said yes above and considered him, his voice and his direction and his heart with what he's asking me to do above those things, that's where I've seen a complete difference. Not only in my faith, but in who God is to me. I, I am always astounded with what God does in my own life, especially pertaining to my own humanity, my own my own body my own mind how he will take me to places as greg described when he came alive and he was kind of half dead as he'll take me in how he'll speak through things through me how he'll use me when i feel like i cannot physically take another step and yet he'll say if you will consider me only and do what i say i will show you the god that i am to you and and so we compartmentalize that this God who's a God of miracles is separate. From, it's almost like ethereally and, and conceptually, yeah, yeah, that's who you are, God. That's who you are. But, but Lord, okay, you know, I, I don't do well with this. I don't do well with, you know, and these things are all true. I don't do well with lack of sleep. I don't do well with my body clock is off. I don't do well with certain things in my, you know. And he's saying, your yes to me is considering my voice, my direction above all those realities. And so it got so radical that he started showing me, okay, I'm not in my glorified state. I believe that we will walk through walls when we're in our glorified bodies, right? And one time, and I share this with the ladies several, few months ago now, that if he wanted me to charge at a wall in full faith, if he wanted me, we don't prove things to ourselves. We do what he wants us to do. But he was showing me this as an example. If he wanted me to charge at this wall with full faith that I'd go through it, and I mean through it in a supernatural way, not through it because I've... Broken every bone in my body trying to remove it But that I would have the faith to believe that in that instant I would pass through it and He's like that's what your yes is Your yes is believing and he see he's shown us his character his power When he when he had elijah run, you know the cool stories in the bible where he had him run faster than the chariots You know when he had all these people do all these things sarah's womb though dead, came alive, and she gave birth to a healthy baby boy, Isaac. These are things that he's saying that's what the yes means. The yes is not your yes with your considerations of limitations that you're like, well, God, you know that there's this. That's the difference in the yes. There's not a heart here that wouldn't give everything we have to the Lord. But I think what we don't understand is we think that God understands what we accept as a limitation. Instead of just saying, Lord, it is not about me. Whatever you are asking for me to do, I will do it. I just need to know that it's you. And it might make no sense. I have zero capacity to do this, to speak this, to go there, to stay up for this number of hours. Now, remember, these are not things you just do yourself. These are things that God does through you. But I have been amazed at how... Now, in this trip, as Greg shared about Carson, it was interesting because, yes, he not only sustained me through through things, but it was cool to see it being done in Carson because of the miracle that was there. But I really think that's what the yes is. Because what we are headed into, It's. it's going to test our resolve to trust him for who he really is. And... For many of us I think part of part of why there's a possibility of the intensity or the persecution causing some Christians to lose their own lives is because they don't understand what Revelation twelve ten says is that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. We know we're saved, we know the blood of the Lamb is paid by the word of our testimony, because we begin to live and move and have it our, our being even in conversation with who He is. But then that third piece that we've not considered our lives even unto our death and we read that in Romans this morning that if we live we live unto Christ but if we die we die unto him nobody likes to say that out loud lord I would die for you I would die for you we don't like to declare those things but that's really what our yes amounts to is lord I'm willing to do that no matter what the realities of well this is just not what's done well this is not you don't you know and in my case so many challenges you don't just not go to this family function you don't just not you know do this i mean this is just what you do this is what society demands this is what you do you consider this and you consider that and that's you know and so and then we expect the lord to yeah you know lord you know lord we expect him to be in agreement with what we determine is a reality it's really nothing but a simple lord not anything of my will anything that i consider but just you And that was just a revelation that, uh, again, further, I just wanted to add in all that was being said, because we're going to be heading into times that are going to stretch um, everything. Some of the prophets, and we, we knew this already, and it's been so wonderful to hear the Lord speaking through various prophets, but everything we know to be normal is going to change. That is a huge, profound statement. Everything we know to be normal is going to change. What does that even mean? So there won't be anything left to consider that this is just the way it's done. Well, this is just what you do with your money. This is just what you do. You do this. If if God's blowing everything up of our norms, the only way we won't be shaken is that we've already counted that cost. We already live in that place. We don't don't hold anything um, dear. I I know, just like like he said earlier, I don't. I don't think in terms of, yeah, man, I'm going to be at church all day long. Holy Spirit's going to come, and we'll just end church at 9 o'clock, and I'll be fine. Who who says that? If you have that kind of stamina naturally, praise God. You have more than I do. I have no idea how I'll deal with any of it. I just know that if the Lord is having me do it, every directive comes with the equipping, comes with the provision. Comes with everything. His word will not return void, Isaiah 55:11, but will go forth and produce what it intends. And so that's really the simplicity of the yes. So when you hear that and hear that and hear that, I just wanted to unpack that a little bit more for you um, because that's going to be what's required. And um, and I know Angie mentioned this in the ladies' class, but it's so true. It's going to challenge where we are emotionally. going to have a lot of emotions but lord but i just i mean you know i mean this it's just so hard and there may be times we cry out like david in the psalms and and he doesn't he lets us cry but he won't let us have the pity party cry like i told the ladies a while ago when i started having that on one of the airplane rides a few months back the lord was like i'm bottling your tears but these tears are panic get it together shut it down this is not this is not right. See, there are, there are tears of just, Lord, I trust you, but this is hard. And then there are tears of having a fit, tears of resistance that tear at the fabric of our faith. And he said, stop. Get it together. You're stronger than this. Because if you trust me, you can do anything. And I'm in process with that. Um, but, man, I'm seeing it more and more and more. And that's where we've got to start. So hold everything loosely. Because whatever you hold, in his mercy and grace, he may pry it out of your hands. But I'll tell you what, if he has to pry it out, it will be far more painful than if you just relax your hand and let him have it. Right? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this word, God. Thank you for what you showed me as I released that to Greg that I saw in the spirit over him and, and the black smoke that I knew was so ominous coming off of the fire. The anointing that you first dropped on him, this, this holy kind of lighter fluid, and then lit, and the fire and flames came of, of your spirit. But then the black smoke that, that rose from that fire, and then I saw the, the mobilized armies that in two places in, in what you showed me were over Nigeria and then over the U.S., and it was heavy. And it was real and it was it was momentary of the the shift that will be manifest in this realm. And God, I know that you are doing great, great and mighty things in our midst. But God, you are asking participation of us. You are not allowing us to just hunker down with inactivity. And then hope to open our eyes back up when it's over. But you're asking for our engagement. Because with the engagement, with the partnership, is a step-by-step trust and confidence in knowing our identity in Christ Jesus that Wendy spoke of last week. God, I pray that you would just increase the revelation in each of us, God. That always, always will come After we obey after we surrender after we step You don't give us revelation so that we feel good warm and fuzzy and then we'll step. It's always the reverse but thank you god. Thank you for how You release to us yourself your heart your voice As we seek you because your word says we will seek you. We will find you when we seek you with all of our heart You will be found, but not without the seeking first. So God, I just pray that you would just embed that deeper into our hearts and help us to know what it looks like even as we close the service today. What does that yes look like? Not going crazy and, and doing things in our own flesh to prove something to ourselves, but just being close to your heart and moving in what you have us move in. God, I just pray that you would just open everyone's eyes and ears who are seeking you, God, to to know that and see that. We just love you and praise you. You are God, and there is no other. Help us to just seek you and you alone and watch what you will do through us as we step in faith in this hour. I pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.